Welcome to the news and why it matters. I am Sarah Gonzalez, joined by uh, Stubergear, Jason Buttrell, and we have Blaze TV's own, the greatest social media guru of all time, mm-hmm. Jason Howerton. Thanks thank for being with us. Thank you. I, I wasn't serious when I said to do that, but thank you. Thank you. I mean, you just sold yourself out. I wasn't going to tell the audience that you literally just told me to do that, and now they know. Well, now that I have to live up to that great, awesome, thank you. Right. <laughs> Stu, top story. Uh, I guess Michael Cohen. Yeah, well, I mean, we're doing the dirty work so that everyone so, else doesn't yeah. have to go back yeah, and watch it. Let me bail it. you out of having to watch the, that testimony back again. Yeah, exactly. Jason. We'll go from that dog and pony show to the dog and pony show in Hanoi. So dog and pony shows all over the place. Everywhere. Today. Everything's <laughs> burning down. Howerton. Um, the climate change apocalypse is upon us. Mm-hmm. And so I, I want to talk about... That how serious the Democrats are at tackling this because they're doing more things right now to, to, mm-hmm. to combat it than ever before. Mm. I mean, I'm, I'm really thankful that they are because I don't want to die. Just wait. <laughs> All right. A lot to get into, obviously. But first, we want to thank our sponsor, American Financing. Uh, American Financing is not for people like Stu who want to do ridiculous deals. I don't know why we have to bring this up every time. Uh, you know, I like my, I'm a big fan of debt. I'm the king of debt outside of Donald Trump. I'm like the number two like king of debt. I'm the prince thing. of debt. Um, but American Finance actually has uh, responsible mortgages. And they actually walked me through all the options. When I was buying my house, uh, I went, I, I was, I knew we had American Finance and I knew I was going to call them because, you know, Glenn's been talking about them for a while. But I called like 10 or 12 different companies because I'm obsessive about such things. Um, and you want the irresponsible. I wanted the most irresponsible <laughs> possible. Shockingly, that's not really the business American financing is in. If you're, it's like a mafioso loan shark. Yeah, yeah. Every time you mention this, I'm like, who are these yeah, people? I just, as long as it's paid by the first, my knees are intact. Uh, <laughs> Legs don't get broke. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, Glenn, when he talked about this, they, they didn't make crazy loans, and that's the reason they survived so well through, uh, through the, the financial collapse. And Glenn didn't want to do business with them at first because he doesn't really like the mortgage companies. He was worried about these loans. He was calling out this, you know, this collapse in like 2006 and 2007. So he didn't want to go into that business. But American Financing called before. They said, Glenn said, call me back if, uh, if you guys are still alive in a couple of years. And they were. And so they called back and they said, we're fine. We weren't doing those things that you were complaining about. And they've been able to run a business that gets you the best deals. They can explain everything really easily, even for morons like me. Uh, and they make the process super easy. And they're smart enough not to do business with you. So I feel like I mean, that's I don't the know, big sell. Here. I don't know why rejecting my business is, that, is the headline. That's a very here. good yes. point. I'm glad someone finally brought that I up. I mean, seriously, that's... hurry up and go to AmericanFinancing.net <laughs> or you can call 800 906 24 Four zero. All right, Michael Cohen. Mm. Oh, I guess you know Michael Cohen took out a one hundred and I think thirty thousand dollar home equity loan to pay off Stormy Daniels. I don't think American Financing would take that business either. <laughs> <laughs> Just, uh, throwing that out there. Uh, so uh, Michael Cohen was testifying today, and really, Dog and Pony Show is a great way of talking about it because we really got nothing new. We got uh, we got some things uh, that were would be pretty big. And some things that were pretty credible, but never did either really intersect. Because anything that Michael Cohen says that doesn't have intense amounts of evidence to back it up is not worth listening to. The man, his first language is lying. He has uh, never uh, been a guy who could even figure out how to say something that was actually true. Um, And that is, uh, it's hard to really take anything he says seriously. He has some evidence to back up some of his claims. Most of that, though, was stuff that we kind of already knew, the Stormy Daniels stuff. Um, we, he did provide some evidence to back up his storyline on that, but we already knew that kind of was going on, and I think people have already priced that in when it comes to Donald Trump. 
and the entire administration. Um, it's kind of interesting going back uh, to the campaign. You know, Michael Cohen was one of the people that we railed about a million times mm-hmm. and said, you know, here's a, you know, Donald Trump keeps saying he has surrounds himself with the best people, but I mean, Flynn, you know, Bannon, Omarosa, you know, uh, you know, Cohen. Uh, I mean, you know. Uh, Manafort, these are not the best people. And, and that's, you know, it's come back over and over and over again to burn the administration, having people surrounding you of this caliber. Um, one of the strange twists in this whole thing is, in a way, Trump is kind of inoculated from getting in trouble over this stuff because all the people with inside knowledge are so untrustworthy <laughs> that you can't believe anything they say. So it's kind of an interesting way to build a business. You can't really get in trouble when everyone around you is constantly lying. I mean, Roger Stone's another yeah. one. I mean, this is just a, it's just a really bad group of people. And, you know, uh, you know, this idea that Cohen has switched, maybe he has. I mean, people do have these moments where they have been you know, lying and abusive and all of these things for their entire lives. And one day they hit that, you know, that, that moment, the come to Jesus moment where they all of a sudden are good people and, and, and everybody deserves that chance. The, pr- the, pr- um, the problem with but, this, though, is yeah. that you pick the worst part. Like, even if he did have that come to Jesus moment, that guy doesn't belong in a court. He just doesn't. So even if he's completely changed, he is so completely not credible. You're just saying he doesn't belong in a court because there he has no credibility. So right. It doesn't matter what he says. It does not matter what he says. And I, I think I, I could. I was forced to watch two hours of this. Thank yeah. you very much. You're welcome. Um, and I really could have stopped after what was I think it was Congressman Green from Tennessee. Like he, it was just the ultimate smackdown, and it really kind of put this in perspective. But I think he called him a fake witness. Um, he laid out how he had, you know, was a fraud in all of his taxes, how he didn't pay, you know, a bunch of money. How he how, was it like he filed uh, tax re- uh, tax returns that were completely fraudulent for like multiple different years, all this stuff. And at the end of it, you're like, wow, why is this guy still here? Yeah. Like this, he actually said, and this is the person you bring in as your star witness. You were yeah. like, what? Yeah. I, mean, I got what? I got into a little bit of trouble from Blue Check. Twitter for, for saying like... That's when it's serious, by the way. I know, that's like, it's, it gets real dicey, but everybody's getting so giddy about this, like, oh, look what he's saying about Trump, and like, they're trying to dunk on him, and it's like, this thing, and I was just like, like, but is there evidence, though? Right. Like, <laughs> what, like, what are we doing? Like, are we just getting the, the, the media soundbite headlines that we can, like, pontificate over, or are we actually getting anywhere? We got nowhere today. Yeah. I, all, the, all the evidence I thought was very refutable. Like the, the, the check is is interesting to me that that, that uh, the president signed. Unless the the subject was Stormy Daniels porn payment, <laughs> then maybe you yeah. could you. But could but, be, but even in that case, I'm like was, yeah. the the Cohen is so discredited at this point. You don't bring him in front of the committee. You bring in the other people that he mentioned. Glenn made a really good point today about you know the Nixon thing about how it came out later just through people like in committee you know stuff like this. Oh, there was probably re- recordings of some of these conversations. Like some of the so some of the stuff would be interesting to look into. But you have uh, the Trump Organization CFO. Well, like, has he come and talked to the committee? Yet? Have they called him to come in front of the You're committee? You're saying that he may be next. Um, that, see, now the, I am tons more interested in that. Mm-hmm. Not what Michael Cohen says about it, but what this guy says about it. 
then it's, a, then it's more credible, a lot more credible. Yeah, and it may lead to something. I mean, I remember um, uh, when, I can say this because Glenn's not here, Jose Canseco came out and said, <laughs> he wrote a book about all the steroids in the, in the major leagues. And I remember thinking to myself, who the hell would listen to Jose Canseco? He's the least credible person on earth. And then, He was just tweeting about aliens. Yes, exactly. Oh. But then he was totally right, right? Like, I mean, these things wound up completely paying off. So some of this stuff may, be, may wind up being true. It's not that you can dismiss everything that Cohen says. But unless there's real evidence behind it, you have to go into it completely skeptical. Which and, the media has absolutely done. Well, they, well, so what, skeptical. Yeah, this is what's so frustrating about it. It's like they all knew he was a dirtbag in 2016. Now he's his saint. Yeah. And every big Trump supporter knew he was a saint in 2016, and now he's a dirtbag. I'm proud to say I knew he was a dirtbag both times. Mm-hmm. He's always been a dirtbag. This is who the guy is. And the idea that they can trot him out there to get a couple of days of publicity, you know, while this North Korea thing is going on, is just like it's another element of the circus, and it means very little, if, your, if anything. Your brain on politics, the same way that Harry Reid says he misses George W. Bush. Yeah, like it's like, oh come on, like really, people. Mm-hmm. Really, the only reason to do this was just to embarrass, I, I think, Donald Trump. Yes. I, I think that was the only reason, and even part, most of it, even his prepared part of his statement, there were parts in there where you're like, why did you even put that in there? Yeah, like saying he's a racist and saying, you know, like all this hearsay stuff, and oh yeah, he said this. There's no evidence of any of this stuff. Like, and he was even called on that. Do you have evidence that he was, like, talking about black people? He was like, yeah, because there's no executive at Trump organization. That's my evidence. I loved, like, I loved that, too, because they were like, well, did you tape any of these conversations? You seem to tape everyone else in the world. So do you have any tape recordings of this? Well, no. Or when Debbie Wasserman Schultz asked him, how do we co- corroborate what you're saying? And he, yeah. said, he was like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Why are we here? Right, Why are we here? Today? I mean, I will say, an, I think another reason other than to embarrass Trump was, you know, the Democrats are just foaming at the mouth to be able to produce something in order to say, uh, you know, Trump should be impeached because we have uh, Miss Omar, who is already saying, uh, you know, I believe that impeachment is inevitable. But as we have already called, it is also a terrifying notion Pence is an ideologue, and the ah. ideology he holds is more terrifying to ah, me and my constituents. There we go. And we have not had a full impeachment that removes the president from office. Nations struggle anytime they overthrow a dictator, and Trump really has the markings of a dictator. Ah, there we go. Finally, well, someone said it. Finally, someone said it for the five millionth time. Uh, <laughs> uh, only a Hitler comparison yes. coming would, would, would fill out the, the role there. Um, you know, I mean, look, they're gonna, they want to. Obviously, the far left, the Ocasio-Cortez's of the world and, and Omar's of the world want to impeach him. You know, I think politically... You know, as Glenn has been saying, the hip replacement Democrats mm-hmm. as opposed to the hip new Democrats um, are smart enough to know that it's really not a good road for them to go down. Because, yeah. I mean, even if they, you know, Trump has lots of flaws that they can try to exploit in a campaign, you yeah. know, to go down that road and, and people will just line up behind him on the other side of that impeachment. It doesn't make much Turn sense. Turn him into a yeah. martyr really yeah. is all you do. Yeah. Uh, Buttrell, the dog and pony show happening overseas. Yeah, I call it, so I'm calling it a dog and pony show because ultimately that's what it is. But it's, don't, don't get me wrong, it's always good when rival nations, especially nuclear-powered nations, are getting together and talking. So that's always a good thing. Um, the problem is that they're both engaged in the same exact dog and pony show, and it's really for their own people. Uh, the president for us, uh, to make it seem like there's a lot more progressing than it actually is, and Kim Jong-un for his own people just to say, hey, look, we're real people and we're a real nation. Check us out. I'm getting selfies with the president of the United States. Um, f- there's really only there's been two things that have, that have come out of this that both nations have got. And we have both got something. 
Um, Kim Jong-un has got, gotten us to concede to not do any more uh, offensive exercises with South Korean uh, military. We're not doing that anymore. We've, we've completely stopped that. We used to do that every single year, and I was a part of that. Um, it's a very big thing, and Kim Jong-un hates it. North Koreans hate it. We stopped it. So win for them. Um, on the other hand, we, they have stopped ICBM tests. We wanted them to do that. Um, we didn't really start ramping this up until they showed that they could fire a missile that did have the capability, or at least had the thrust, to make it here. That's when this whole thing kicked off and we got close to war, I think. Um, they now stopped that, which is good. Um, North Korea has not stopped producing uh, enriching uranium. They have not stopped producing nuclear weapons. The latest estimate is 60 nuclear weapons that they have. Company, countries with 60 nuclear weapons don't give out their nuclear weapons. They're not, no, see, and that goes to my point. Like, we're not progressing further. So we've gotten what we want, and they've gotten what they want, but they're not giving those nukes up. Any talk of denuclearization is just a bunch of mumbo-jumbo. They're not going to let those go. They might concede and give up 10, something like that, but they're not giving up all of them. Can I say that the American in me really, there's one thing that bugs me the most about Trump, um, and and bring on the tweets, it's that he calls... Kim, his friend. Yes. It's unreal. The the sweet talk with Kim, I don't care. I know what you're trying to accomplish, and I know in the business world that's how you do it. On the world stage for a guy, all the things that he's done, the the horrific, unthinkable things, like you just don't do that. You can accomplish it without calling him nice names and and talking about how wonderful he is. It really it bugs me like really bad. After the last summit that they had, when he was flying back, he was talking about President Xi Jinping in China. And he goes, as you know, he's, you know, he's now president for life. That's a very good thing. I'm like, no, it's not. No, that's not a good thing. I mean, we're uh, fond of uh, occasionally saying something like, oh, can you imagine if a Republican did that? I mean, can you imagine the reaction of Barack Obama? said my friend Kim Jong-un in any context. Yeah. It would be six weeks of programming yeah. for us. I mean, mm-hmm. the fact that that just now just goes by with nothing is amazing. And, you know, we used to talk about, I, I remember when, when, you know, early on after that first meeting, people used to bring up North Korea as like the big accomplishment of the Trump administration. And really, I mean, you look at that and like what has really been accomplished? You're right, they've paused testing on really on one thing. Which, which is, is big. I mean, it's, it's, it's only, a positive. But can I also say only for us? So like that, that, that safeguards us. That does right. nothing for Japan. That does yeah. nothing for our allies in the area. Right. That does nothing for Guam. Yeah. For and look, yeah. I mean, it's American interest. And I, I'm, if we can actually stop that, God only knows if they're still trying to, you know, they're doing all sorts of other things uh, to, to further these goals, as you point out. I mean, if they, have, if they legitimately have 60 nuclear weapons, they're never giving them up. I mean, I know there's really only been one country in world history that has given up their nuclear weapons, with the exception of the Soviet satellite countries, which were really, I mean, they were Russian weapons being stored there. And it's South Africa. And I think South Africa had a maximum of five. And they wound up giving them up at one point, which is kind of amazing. Because once you get them, you don't want to give them up. Because you are automatically at the table when you have nuclear weapons. It's why countries like them so much. I mean, it's why Kim Jong-un did so much and Kim Jong-il before him to develop them. Because he is now getting the respect he's always demanded and, de- and, and believes he's deserved. I mean, I think it was Donald Trump Jr. who, uh, who tweeted something like, you know, my dad's done more for you know, North, this North Korea thing than anybody. I mean, they couldn't even get a meeting. It's like, it wasn't hard to get a meeting with Kim Jong-un. He would have taken a meeting with any U.S. official. It was us saying no to him. Like, that, like that's the <laughs> reversal, and it's the sort of reversal that we would have all blown our minds uh, about if, uh, if Barack Obama or Bill Clinton or anybody else had done. 
I mean, it is it is something that I think Trump skates a little bit from conservatives on, and I'm you know, I'm glad you brought that up because he really doesn't get much heat from it. But what if in his meeting he just all of a sudden snaps his neck? You never know. Like, <laughs> and, how, like, and then we'd be like, <laughs> that was smart. Uh, but so I, I, I want to just take that back and just say, so it's a good thing that they're talking. Yeah. It's a good thing for the both for both sides of what they got. But don't just ex- don't expect too much more to come from the future on this. I don't see it going anywhere. All right, back in a minute. So what you're saying is you sold us something Scott and Tony show and then you took it back and said never mind. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a continued doggy. A lot more to get into, but first we want to thank our sponsor, Cosmo Hurts Kids. So, uh, I mean, it's pretty much all in the title there, right? Cosmo yeah. Hurts Kids. They summarized it well. Yeah, Cosmo uh, contains, I think we would all agree, pornographic <laughs> content that is now uh, able to be sold to minors. So our little girls, our little boys have access to all sorts of tips and tricks that you really don't want them knowing about. <laughs> um, so Victoria Hearst, who is a member of the Hearst family who owns Cosmopolitan Magazine, which I think makes uh, Christmas dinner a little bit awkward, has decided that she thinks that Cosmopolitan Magazine should um, have the states that it's harmful to minor laws applied to them, which would mean that kids under 18 would not have access. They could not go in and buy Cosmopolitan. So if you want to hear more about her campaign, which you should, because this is something that's affecting our children, uh, there's enough trash in the world that they are going to get their hands on. Go to CosmoHurtsKids.com to find out how you can help with that. All right, Howerton, I'm really glad you're bringing to the table um, the issue of climate change. It's something that affects all of us. I, you know, I was just talking about Cosmo Hurts Kids. We've got to protect our children. <laughs> I also want to protect my child from dying in 12 years, like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez says we're going to. So thank you. For Less than that up. now. It's at least <laughs> 11 and a half by, at this point. That's, that's sure. great. That's a, so you have it. We should get like a countdown uh, clock yeah. going. Because the timeline has moved up dramatically. It used to be like hundreds of years. The mm-hmm. world is ending. Now it's like 11 mm-hmm. or 12 like, or 10. I've heard 10 even. So it's getting very. Um, it depends st- on how many cows fart. It does, which is going to, that'll play in it's later. Hard, but, it's hard to oh, determine. But yeah. it's, it is. But <laughs> AOC is the, the leading expert on this. She has been to, uh, I think she has like four PhDs, doesn't she? Yeah, she's a, in she's cli- a scientist. In climate science. There she is. Researcher. Very nice. Um, so she was explaining, she actually made me regret having my son a year ago because of what is coming. Mm. And by the time he turns 10, he, he'll probably be evaporated. Can we... Can we get her warning, please? I, I want to I let everybody hear. There's scientific consensus that the lives of children are going to be very difficult. And it does lead, I think, young people to have a legitimate question. You know, should, is it okay to still have children? And I mean, not just financially, because people are graduating with twenty, thirty, dollars $100,000 worth of student loan debt. And so they can't even afford to have kids in a house, but also just this basic moral question, like, what do we do? And, it hurts. and even if stop? you don't it, have I, kids, I can't. it physically hurts. Okay, so uh, here's the thing. Here's what bothers me. First of all, can I just say, she's like the female congresswoman version of Michael Scott. I feel like she starts an idea, oh, yeah. That's and then she doesn't really analogy. know where it's going. Yeah. But like she just she just, fi- she just keeps going. She just strings words. Like together. she's like, I, yeah. She'll like stop, and she doesn't really know where it's going. But somehow she just keeps rolling, and words keep coming out. That's a great point. Uh, it, yeah. It's great it's point. amazing. It's I've, and I've heard her do that a lot in interviews. But anyway, the thing that bothers me the most is that we 
there's nothing worse than playing on fear and uh, for politics, right? She's making people, th- or at least people think that the world is going to end. There are children going to uh, Congress members and confronting them because they think they are going to die because their parents are telling them, hey, you're going to die. <laughs> Which, can we talk about how irresponsible that horrific. is for a it's second? horrific. <laughs> Just completely... You should want to keep your asinine. child innocent for as long as possible. And feeling safe and yeah. not free of anxiety. Right. But this type of politics where, where, because they're not getting what they want, we've resorted now to literally moving up the end of the world within 10 years. Like, I, I don't know how anyone is taken seriously and, and they act like this is science like yeah. where where are we right now well i was reading in the scientific journal children's difficulty monthly and <laughs> uh it said they were it's, there's a consensus that children's lives are going to be difficult is that how, what scientists measure how do they measure difficulty level of future children's lives i'm not exactly sure the suffering in the index. Also, I mean, it's okay that children's lives are a little bit difficult. You know what I mean? Like, we're not supposed to cool. be yeah. brought on this earth to just have a stress-free life and have everything handed to us. Like, I mean, I think a, a little paying off, I'm not saying twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 of debt is responsible, but I'm saying I think paying off a little bit of debt Gives you a not little bit worst. of character. Not the worst right? thing in the world. And I get, you know, got news for you. Capitalism has uh, made every generation's lives easier. Yeah. I mean, like, if you look at, like, how many hours we work to earn uh, the basic needs, it has dropped dramatically for 200 straight years. <laughs> I mean, this is not, like, this is the idea that in the future we're going to somehow forget how to innovate, forget, even if they're completely right on all the science and you give them all of that stuff, like, there are going to be innovations and adaptations that we can't possibly expect. Okay, so the, the, the point is, though, so I, I got a little carried away. <laughs> the point is that th- this is such a serious, dangerous issue, and they're taking it so seriously mm-hmm. that they, they recently, House Democrats called a, a hearing to go over this stuff and to really problem solve and figure out what we need to do to stop the end of the world from happening. And of the five... Democrats on that subcommittee, two showed up. <laughs> Oops. Two showed up to that hearing. So Louis Gohmert, the congressman from Texas, had to adjourn the meeting because they didn't show up to their own hearing to talk about the thing that supposedly is ending the world in 10 years. <laughs> what do you even... He's speechless. I'm speechless. I don't know what to say, and I don't know how we're still... I feel like I don't know how... like. They're not laughed out of the room on this issue. On this issue especially. Well, I, mean, I, I mean, I will say maybe there was a really important um, transgender uh, appreciation luncheon going on. It's true. Because, I, I, would I mean, you, like when you're ranking the priorities, you, I mean, transgender. Identity comes first. I will admit that. Transgender, climate change. You don't know which order they're going to go in. I love this, though. Having gone through a life here with Glenn Beck for now, God, way too many years. <laughs> Uh, you know, he was, he's always called this like doom and gloom guy. They used to make fun of Colbert would go on TV and say, they're in the doom room, they're saying the world's going to end in a decade. Yeah. Like I, Glenn has never said the world's going to end in a decade. He's never been that scared about, about what the future holds. I don't know how you can continue to get away with that strategy. Because yeah. literally, it's it's well, for ten years you get away with it, but then when it doesn't happen, <laughs> no, so the world's going to end. That. With they've already done that. The world's going to end with climate change. The, the ever there was going to be people dead in the streets because of the, if we didn't pass Obamacare. There's going to be our neutrality. Yeah, net neutrality mm-hmm. for crying out loud. Yeah. <laughs> Armageddon for if people's taxes went down. How yeah. many times I mean, can what? you? How many times can you play the end of the world card? I know that's what I'm saying. Apparently, several. 
I mean, yeah. we're, we're already to that point, and we still have parents telling their children to go show up at, you know, Senator Feinstein's office and plead with her because it's that big of an issue. Unbelievable. All right, back in a minute. Remember Elizabeth Warren going on TV and saying, uh, yeah, you know, if we cut taxes here, people will die. Before we go into overtime, I want to uh, tell you guys good news for you. Okay. Um, there is a woman, I believe in the UK, she has a breastfeeding kit that will help you men lactate. Perfect. So that you can chest feed. Uh, it's a kit that contains nine months of mm. progestin. And uh, it's meant to stimulate the production of milk-producing glands in the male. I'm going to kill myself. (laughs) (laughs) And then another drug, you Uh take another drug with that, that would result in lactation. And don't worry, because the kit kit also includes a pump and a compression valve. Sounds really healthy for a child, I'm just going to say. Natural, you got to keep it natural, guys. I'm really excited, yes. So you guys can take over the late-night breastfeeding sessions. Mm -hmm. You may want to, like, shave your chest though, because yeah, I don't I gotta, the, yeah. the baby doesn't so, want the bunch of We can of only eat organic, but the babies can eat this, like, crazy, like, hormone-induced yeah. milk yeah. from men. That's the world we live in. Come on. <laughs> All right, overtime starts next. <laughs> Up next, enjoy bonus overtime content from the news and why it matters. Available exclusively for podcast listeners and Blaze TV subscribers. Not a subscriber? Start your free trial at blazetv.com. All right, Jason uh, Buttrell, what's going on with uh, India? I got nothing but nuclear warnings today. This is kind Stunning. of weird. Yeah, yeah I know, me. Never, <laughs> ever hear like that from you. Please. So this, this is an interesting story that I haven't heard a lot of people talk about, and because of all the other stuff going on in the news today, like really important stuff like Michael Cohen testifying, there's a, there's a, there's a military standoff between two nuclear powers, India and Pakistan. This, this started uh, several days ago. There was a, a terrorist attack in, um, in uh, Indian-controlled Kashmir. And it was the, the terrorists were based in Pakistan. So India wasn't playing around. So they straight up sent bombers out, bombed those locations within Pakistan. And this is already probably, this is probably the most dangerous border in the world. So there's always something crazy going on. But it has really escalated since then. In, uh, Pakistan uh, told, said they were going to retaliate. They downed, I think, two Indian fi- uh, fighter jets, and I think uh, India has claimed to have downed uh, one Pakistani, and clashes are just going off as we speak right now, just back and forth. It's getting bad. Uh, both countries are starting to move armor and additional troops to the border. Now, the reason this is, you know, this is getting crazy is because they are nuclear powers, and one of those powers has no choice to, to do any, like, if, if Pakistan gets into a war, they can't get into a sustained conflict of attrition with India. India is just going to win. They're going to overwhelm them with numbers. Eventually, the Pakistan regime will fall. So their only resort here would be to go nuclear. Now, it's catch-22 because if they do go nuclear, the response is the same result. It's going to result in the end of the regime (laughs) in Pakistan. So that right there, if they're thinking logically, means that they're have to going to de-escalate. I mean, if you're thinking logically... Now, when you start getting scared about this, start, you start thinking about it, a lot of times there's not rationality in some of these, in these, some of these conflicts. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of hardline Islamists in Pakistan that could force the issue, you know, for them to go a little bit more radically on it. There, there's a lot of, you know, scenarios and, and factors out there, but it's one of the more dangerous, you know, positions in the world. Did today, you see the sure. video of, the, of them capturing that Indian pilot? Yeah. Really, really brutal. The crap out of them, yeah. Brutal. Brutal. Yeah. So it's getting ugly. Yeah, it's it's weird. It's not talked about a lot. But if I had the first pick in the uh, where nuclear war is going to break out draft, I would pick India, Pakistan, mm. <laughs> because I mean it's 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 
they're newer nuclear powers. Uh, they are longtime enemies. Uh, they don't necessarily, I mean, like there's huge populations there with real extreme elements. I mean, there is a, there's an argument that that's probably the most dangerous place. I mean, you, you probably say North Korea, but, you know, North Korea still has, uh, you know, us as the opposition, essentially, and right. probably not a great idea for them to break out into nuclear war. India and Pakistan might just go for it. I mean, they may just go for it one day. And that is, that's, that's kind of terrifying. Kind of interesting. You, this is really not talked about that much today. But to me, when I looked at that, I was like, holy crap. The, the, the circle of nerds that I follow on Twitter, we were all freaking out about this over the past couple days, but like, there was radio silence everywhere else. Well, I don't know if you know this, but Michael Cohen was testifying today, and he produced like hundreds upon hundreds of documents proving Trump's collusion with Russia. He also so obviously, Trump's that's, a racist by calling him a racist. <laughs> it's true. Obviously, <laughs> that's what needed to uh, take the... Uh, Take the top tier position. Nuclear war, today. eh? Okay. Michael Cohen. We really are a stupid news consumption society now. <laughs> I mean, you're all bashing my topic. I mean, I know I'm, I'm right here. <laughs> well, but I mean, really, I mean, CNN. Is, this is going to be all that they're talking about tonight. Oh, yeah. Is just all of the bombshell evidence that Michael Cohen produced when he came up on the stand as if it was anything new that we hadn't yeah. already heard. I mean, uh, you know, again, I don't want to get back into Cohen, but it's like if at the beginning of all of this. You would have told me that Michael Cohen would have turned on Trump and testified. I would have not. I definitely would not have believed it. I mean, I thought he was like basically like his Siamese twin that he would like give up every organ in his body yeah. to keep Trump alive. It, it is a somewhat surprising turn of events. It's just the fact that he has no credibility. Um, you know, there's no way you're going to get a look into the Trump administration um, uh, with someone who's been around it really as much as Michael Cohen. It should be a big deal. He just has no credibility. And so many of the things he talked about are already priced into Trump. Did you guys hear that uh, there were bars in D.C. that were opening early so that people could come in and watch all of the testimony? And We really like I excuses to drink around Get here. drunk. That's, uh, <laughs> that's the same thing that happened with the Comey uh, testimonies as no, well. I it's, know. So and they, they had drink letdowns. specials. <laughs> oh, there yeah. they are. Look at them. Well, yeah, there yeah. they are. So, um, you know, there were people who were saying, I'm trying to find the quote. Here it is. So (laughs) there was a sound of a collective, wow, when Cohen claimed that Trump had referred to his 2016 presidential campaign as the greatest infomercial in political history, a move that would significantly up his brand and increase future revenue streams. That got a wow. Really? Like, have you guys not been paying attention? (laughs) We already heard all of this. So, I don't think there's any, I mean, the, his little stories about racism were new, I guess. Like, I hadn't heard those particular stories. But there's no stories. evidence. There's no evidence of it. And they're very consistent with other previous reporting on Trump and, and things that he's kind of said in private. Or, you know, it's like, it's really just, there's a lot of nothing there. A lot of nothing. But I, t- but I totally, I totally believe that. I totally believe, believe that, what? that Trump said that, it. That, no, that that was that's really what he expected to get out of his run for president. Absolutely. You know, be, was a, that's not new information right? either. Glenn, ran, uh, Glenn did that did an interview with uh, what's his name, uh, John McAfee, not so long ago, mm-hmm. and he bases the exact same thing. He was like, "Why would I run? Why did I? Why am I running for president now? Why did I run for president before?" He goes, "It's because it's the biggest stage in the entire world." Mm-hmm. Straight up. Lest, yeah, we not, his- lest we not forget on this network, like. Four years ago, I predicted that Donald Trump would never be president oh. for that reason. So I just want I want to put that out there. As, as <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm very credible. You're not alone in, this, <laughs> in that it, prediction, I will say. Isn't John McAfee's website, like, don't vote for me? Yeah. Whatever it yeah. is. That's, <laughs> pretty, 
Hey, that's crazy and brilliant. It's kind of brilliant. Yeah, it's yeah. like don't push the red button. He's like, <laughs> yeah. don't vote for me. I was like, You're going to be compelled on election day just to vote for him. You don't right. know why. This was done in the documentary Brewster's Millions uh, with uh, Richard Pryor <laughs> when he did, ran a mayoral campaign for none of the above. So it's already been done. He's just copying Richard. Do you Pryor. watch anything that's not a documentary? Uh, no, all, I only, I'm only I'm a nonfiction guy. That's why I went with Brewster's Millions. <laughs> uh, we were talking about Ocasio Cortez earlier, and um, she had some thoughts on the GOP. She said. In the Republican Party, there is a hostage situation going on. There are a lot of Republicans that know what the right thing to do is, talking about speaking up against Trump, not just on impeachment, but on a wide range of issues, and they refuse to speak up. And she, of course, went on to say, because we've got to dramatize it, uh, we are not in the realm of politics anymore. These are not questions of politics. These are questions of society. Mm. These are questions of equal treatment. These are questions of civil rights. So she's saying that the GOP, that's happening in the GOP. Meanwhile, Democrats are voting to reject a bill that would make sure that infants had civil <laughs> rights, you know, like staying alive and stuff. Well, that and all the blackface and, and saying the N-word in Maryland with the Democrat and all yeah. the other blackface. I forgot about that one. There's more than one. <laughs> I mean, um, is there really a hostage situation going on in the Republican Party? Because I would say the, the reverse is happening. I would say that that's happening in the Democratic Party right now. I really feel like uh, they're just both of them. I was about yeah. to say the same I mean, thing. Like, there's yeah. like three or four representatives where I'm like, ah, they're pretty good. That's where I am right now. I mean, I, I, I'm with you. 100%. I, it's just so disappointing. They're the just, but I mean, I feel like the, but with the GOP, I don't feel like it's this radical right-wing extremism. It's just they just want to say that everything that Trump says is good or everything that Trump does stu- is good. Look, they're stuck with Trump, right? right. So right. they're stuck with him. So they're rallying behind him. Right. In the Democrat Party, you do have the far left that are putting its tentacles I- into the Democrat Party. I mean, we've got Democratic and they don't know how to all running, and they don't know how to how to deal with it because because mm-hmm. the Pelosi's and the Schumers they're not socialists, they're far left, but they're not that far left, and they don't know what to do. And AOC is viral every other day for cut you know for eating a sandwich, whatever she's doing that day, <laughs> um, and so they're they're stuck. Mm-hmm. It's 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 the other way around. Yeah, the, the GOP is just kind of like it is what it is for now until. They're all just dead inside, I feel like, in the GOP. They're just like, oh, yeah, whatever, whatever, <laughs> Trump, whatever yeah. Trump said. Yeah, it's fine. Them, where, yeah. You were against it last yeah. year, I know, but, yeah. but yeah. whatever. whatever. Don't even come on. Yeah. You're not really going to ask us why we're yeah. being inconsistent. That's, you know, don't you? <laughs> come on. I, I, I wish we could do that on, on cable news. Like, you know. You like, know. Come on, guys. Like, I really <laughs> wish there were pundits that were just out there doing yeah. that. Because it's like, you know, it's the, you know, the emergency uh, declaration is a good example of this. It's like, all right, you guys, we all complained about Barack Obama <laughs> going to Congress, not getting what he wanted, and then doing it by executive action. Are you really even going to fake that you believe what you're saying right now just say you like you just like look trump said it and we got to kind of stick with him or we're going to lose so you know whatever whatever he said just copy and paste his comments and just put him in the, the emergency declaration is the perfect example like there, every person that's in a party that's supposed to be conservative should have been against that it's just straight up if you go on principle you should have been against it same thing for the stupid uh, budget to begin with like there's no fiscally responsible person or conservative left in the party they're the ones that are supposed to be speaking up for this. There's like usually three or four. Like, you know, like eh, Justin Amash will come out there, you know, Thomas Massey and Mike Lee. And there's always a few, mm-hmm. but it's, it's very limited at this point. I mean, I don't know where it's, the hope is very difficult to find at this point. When anyone who's just, like, I'm not, at least come up with a coherent argument that you're not just folding over and voting for whatever Donald Trump says. Right. Just, just at least think about an excuse occasionally. And it's so rare. It's and, so rare. And the result of that is a lost identity. Like, we have lost, the GOP has lost its identity. They don't really know what they are right now. But neither does the Democratic Party. But they're trying to establish right. one under this new socialist, really progressive, far-left banner, yeah. which is very, very scary. Yeah. 
Uh, all right, today's The Blaze Y comment. Remember, you can tweet us your questions and comments using the hashtag TheBlazeY. That's W-H-Y for podcast listeners. Alan XO says, with the Cohen testimony, it seems that the Dems focused on if there's Russia collusion, of course, and the Republicans were focused on discrediting him. Do you think the questions asked were appropriate or would you have gone into, in a different direction? I think we probably made that clear during uh, <laughs> during the broadcast that all of all of the, the all of the questioning was completely ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, it was really I mean, Republicans obviously are looking at Cohen and trying to discredit him. That's true. But basically what they did is bring up a lot of stuff to, to make him look like a fool. Yeah. Which, by the way, he is. It was not difficult to do. And then the Democrats just tried to act as if he was the most credible man on earth and take in every one of, everything that he said as if it was gospel. What did Maloney say at the end of her? Uh, she goes, this, this is a true redemption story. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Shut, Shut up. up. Shut up. But I feel like you would have gone in a different direction in the sense that you would not have even had him show up. No, I didn't think he des- oh, but, even deserved so. to be there. Yeah. No, I, I would have been. I would have been great with just a written thing, like he say, "Hey, this is what happened," and then they bring other people to, to check it. But he we didn't. Did belong Seventy to be hours there. of testimony with with my with the Mueller investigation. Like we're gonna know what Michael Cohen thinks, and right. every string that you know, every you know lead that he's brought up is, I'm sure, is being looked at by Mueller. Why this had to happen in public is, as you pointed out very early, Jason, it's just, a le- it's just an opportunity to try to embarrass Trump. That's it. Well, well and yeah. the media gets the sound It's clips. a platform to make a big fuss and controversy. And it's like the, the media and politics, they just love it and they stir it up and then everybody's mad and yeah. yelling at each other. And then, <laughs> and then here really we are. It's really good for society. And, and why awesome. T- and why today? Why this date? Why these like few days? Is there anything going on right now that might have a, a, a positive light on the president going on right now? I know. I, 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 that is there a, is. is and they're in Hanoi. irresponsible mm-hmm. in a way. It's like, you know, let's just say we all think, as we do, that Donald Trump is, a, is, is obsessed with these sorts of stories and like his, his appearance in the press. Like to do this on a day where he, we would actually like him to be focused on his task at hand. He's not, this isn't all executive time today. This is the one time he's actually doing something that theoretically could be beneficial or really damaging. Right. To get him distracted and off his game is not exactly the best, you know. If there wasn't this, plan. then you would have, you would have pundits even on like MSNBC saying, it's kind of something similar to what I just said, actually. They'd say, we don't see how this is going anywhere, but at least they're talking and that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Now they're not going to even get that. Yeah. It's just going to be all about Cohen. Yeah. Uh, yesterday's poll, Are You Surprised the Born Alive Act was blocked by the Senate Democrats? 79% of you said no. 20% said yes. So we have 20% optimists, I guess, in mm. the... Uh... It's the nicest thing you've ever said about the answer you didn't like. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but I will say 1% said unsure, so... There you go. You're the meanest people, these poll polls, people taking polls. <laughs> and then t- today's poll question, can anything Cohen says today be trusted? Uh, you got to you got to wager on what this what this percentage. Yeah, this is going to be uh, no ninety six percent. That's my. my you think? Yeah. Okay. They, they will not. They do not think he can be trusted. Now. Right. If you would have asked this uh, <laughs> two years ago, it would have been ninety six percent. Yes, he right. can be trusted. What do you think? Give me a wager. Oh gosh, ninety six percent. I'll go higher. Ninety seven percent. Easy. Howerton. Ninety three. Mm. Okay. All right. We'll find out tomorrow. Go to the Blaze's Twitter. <laughs> that is at the Blaze. You got to tune in tomorrow, Howard. Good hook, though. Tomorrow. Now I have to watch. I'm sorry. I thought you watched already. Thanks for listening to the news and why it matters. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you'd like to watch the program, become a Blaze TV subscriber and start your free trial now at blazetv.com.